Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Gospel of John. We're teaching on the subject of faith. Everybody say faith. You say, you're not one of those faith preachers, are you? Well, is there another kind? Amen. I tell you, the only thing that's in the Word is faith. The Word of God produces faith. Now, we've been looking at some of the stories of the Gospels. We've been also interwinding or weaving into these stories the different principles of faith and how they work. Now, I know that without going into great depth, great depth of teaching, which we can do in different settings, I know that there is a traditional view or a traditional understanding of what God is, who God is, and how He does things. But let me just say this. That traditional understanding many times is wrong. Amen? You know, the, 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 the idea that, you know, God can just do anything, anytime, anywhere He wants to. Now, now, let me ask you a question. Do you really believe that's true? He can just do anything, anytime He wants to. Now, there is a sovereignty to His power where if He wanted to do that, He could do that. But in reality, He's not done that. Look at the mess this world is in and look how it's progressing deeper into the darkness. That's because, here's here's where we're living right now. God is in heaven. He reigns in heaven and He reigns on the earth, but this is how He reigns on the earth. Through the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the Word of God in whom He is, and the Spirit of God that abides and empowers you, God exercises His authority upon the earth. That's legal, not illegal. Everything the adversary does is illegal. But thank God the law, the spirit of life in Christ makes us free from the law of sin and death. Amen? Now, the force of faith, we've said this many times. Generically, when we talk about faith in a religious setting, it's kind of like an identification mark. You know, uh, of what faith are you? I've had people ask me. I, I talk to them on airplanes and hotels, different settings. And they'll, and they'll get kind of puzzled because I, I get all excited when I talk about Jesus and I talk about miracles and things that God has done in my life. And they're kind of like, of what faith are you? So what they're wanting to know, you know, am I a Methodist, a Baptist, a Pentecostal, am I Catholic? What am I? No, no, faith does not identify the flavor of your Christianity. Faith is a gift from God that He imparts into humanity so that humanity can no longer live under the curse of humanity but enter into God's family and operate and live in the blessings of God's family. Everything you're ever going to get from God, you're going to get it by faith. Amen? Now, there there may be things you do get from God outside of your own faith, but somebody somebody else had faith for it. Even if, you're, even if you're sick and infirm and you go to a meeting, the healing meeting, someone's anointed with a gift and the power of God is working through them, it's their faith that activates that. You receive it, but you better get some faith to keep it. The source of faith. We study that. It's the Word of God. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Amen? Primary way in which faith is released, through confession. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, God raised Jesus from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, or healing, or prosperity, or blessing, or joy, whatever it may be that you need from God. That's how you receive it. The Bible says the just, seven times in the Word of God, the just are those that have been justified shall live by faith. Faith is very simple. It appropriates that which God has laid up in the unseen so that what is in the unseen may be brought into the seen realm and enjoyed. Everybody say enjoyed. enjoyed. Everybody say enjoyed. enjoyed. Has God ever blessed you? Have you ever been healed or blessed financially? Isn't that an enjoyment? The Bible says it like this, that your joy may be full. God wants you to, how much joy does God want you to have? He wants it to be full. Everybody say full of joy. Now, today we're going to, if I was going to title this, I would title it this. You can't get... Abraham's faith results with Thomas's faith. How many know who Thomas is? I don't know why they've tried to glorify Thomas over this. I hope he don't get mad at me when I get to heaven and meet him. But you know, his, his testimony was not a very good one. We pick up the story, we pick up the story in John, 
there in John, uh, John chapter 20. John chapter 20 down in verse 24. Now we know Jesus had been crucified, brutally tortured and beat. He took our sin. He took our sin, sickness. He took our poverty, fulfilling Isaiah 53. He became the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. The power of God's ability to forgive was increased by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ when not only forgiveness was granted through salvation, but the remittance of sin. Everybody say remittance. See, the, the, the world, those that are not saved, they do not need their sins forgiven. Got quiet in here. I thought I'd, thought I'd get your attention. Amen. The world does not need their sins forgiven because all they would be with sinners with their sin, their sin forgiven. They need a new nature. They need to become a new creature. So thank God through the work of Jesus, when you get born again, your sins are not forgiven. They're remitted. That means eradicated, erased, and even the very effect of your sin is removed from you. Glory to God. Well, that had all happened through redemption. Jesus had risen from the dead. He had showed himself to Mary of Magdalene there at the tomb. She ran to the disciples. Then the disciples, uh, uh, they doubted and went back to their own home. And then he appeared, walked through the wall and appeared the first time in front of them. Thomas was not there. Now notice, pick it up in verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Listen, you are, he missed the meeting. Let me try that again so you need to get it. He missed the meeting. You say, what do you mean by that? Don't miss the meetings. Jesus may show up, walk through the wall, cast the devil out of you. Amen? If he doesn't, we'll do it. Says he wasn't there when Jesus came. The other disciples said unto him, we've seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, put my finger in the print, of the nails and thrust my hand into his side. Now notice this. I will not believe. Now listen, God, it's never the rule, it's always the exception when God steps into his sovereignty and does something in which somebody says, I'm just not going to believe unless this happens. But you know God is merciful. Does anybody remember a man named Arthur Blessed? Does anybody remember him? Arthur Blessed was a hippie back in the 60s and he blew his mind on LSD and then he met Jesus. And man, he had this passion for souls. He probably won more souls with one-on-one -on -one evangelism than, than anybody I know with one-on-one -on -one evangelism. They were in Belfast in the mid-70s. The, the troubles, I'm very aware of the troubles that went on in Ireland back in those times. I ministered in Ireland for many years. The troubles were, were going on and Billy Graham brought his great crusade team to Belfast, Northern Ireland and brought in Arthur Blessed, being such a great street minister. He brought him up on the platform every night as they did the crusade. And then in a time of fellowship at the hotel, he said to Arthur Blessed, Billy Graham said to Arthur Blessed, he said, you know, I, I so thank God for this great crusade ministry and the hundreds and even thousands that come to the altars, but I miss that one-on-one -on -one evangelism. I miss it. And Arthur Blessed said, well, why don't you just come go with me tomorrow? And, and, and Dr. Graham said, well, you know, I'm too well known. He, he said, I used to do this when I was a Bible school uh, student, when I was going to seminary, and we'd go out on the weekends and witness. And he said, uh, people, he said, no, we'll, we'll put you incognito. We'll put a hat on, we'll get you a scarf, and we'll just go. There's an area I know where there's a lot of pubs, and we can go down there and witness. So he did it. Arthur Blessed and Billy Graham walking down the street. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, this man walks out of this pub, and Arthur Blessed steps up to him and starts sharing the gospel. Here was this man's response. The only way I'd give my heart to Jesus is if Billy Graham himself would stand in front of me and tell me about Jesus. Dr. Graham said he took his hat off, removed his glasses and began to undo that scar. He said that man just fell to his knees. Boom. <laughs> well, that's the exception, not the rule. Amen. But thank God God had mercy on Thomas. Now notice said after eight days, he let Thomas stew in his unbelief for eight days. Amen. Sometimes God lets you stew a little bit. He said after eight days, his disciples uh, were within, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, 
and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace unto you. Now listen, everybody talks about tearing down these walls, tearing down denominational walls, tearing down racial walls, tearing down social walls, tearing down political walls. Jesus can walk through any wall. No matter how high, no matter how big, no matter how thick, He can just walk right through it. So He walks through the wall, amen. And then He said to Thomas, He walked right up to Thomas. He said, Reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, reach hither thy hand, thrust it into my side, be not faithless, but believing. So immediately Jesus identified Thomas as faithless. Now, now listen, don't get too mad at Thomas, because Thomas was operating... And what many people operate in, that is human faith. Human faith demands the testimony of the senses. Now let me say that again. Human faith demands the testimony of the senses. And you cannot divorce yourself totally from human faith. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you say, oh, I'm going to go down here on the causeway. And I'm going to shut my eyes and lift my hands and praise God and walk across both lanes of traffic to prove to everybody I'm a man or woman of faith. Well, you'll enjoy heaven. Because <laughs> common sense will tell you not to do that. Your eyes see the cars coming. You better believe that. I don't believe that. You better. Your ears Hear the Mack truck coming. I don't believe it. You better believe it. That's human faith. But when it comes to spiritual things, human faith does not work. Well, I sure I'll believe it when I say it. You won't get anything like that. It will not happen for you because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of that which is not seen. We know Him by faith. We receive Him by faith. We worship Him by faith. We praise Him by faith. We receive by faith. Listen, and in receiving by faith, there's always that which shows up that affirms that we have received. Amen? I got born again as a young child. Saved, if you want to call it that. Jesus became the Lord and Savior of my life. I got away from God in my, in my mid-teens. And was, away from, and was away from God, uh, uh, a prodigal, till I was 28. Drugs, hate, meanness, all kinds of stuff. But it was amazing how when I came back to God, humbled myself, asked for forgiveness, got back into fellowship, what happened? There was a total manifestation of the presence and righteousness of God in my life that was reawakened and reactivated. God is the God of the second chance. Amen. Some of you might have gotten born again later in life. An alcoholic. A drug addict. You might have been a, you might have been a, a, you know, a greedy person or, or a hateful or a prejudiced. But all of a sudden when you got born again, a new nature came on the inside of you in the unseen. And what showed up in the scene? Your behavior changed. You became more loving. You started forgiving people. You started wanting to, uh, to restore things in life. The desires for the old begin to wane and go away. And the desires for the new begin to rise up, become strong, and draw you into the better things of God. That's how faith works. That's what faith is. But listen, Thomas is faith many times. That's, uh, many times. That is literally how people try to serve God with Thomas's faith. But then we have another hero in the Bible called Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. Go to Romans 4 real quick. Romans chapter 4. Now we know Abraham didn't start out as Abraham. He started out as Abram. Now go to verse chapter 4. Let's look at verse... Uh, go to verse 19. Now this speaks of Abraham. Now the Bible says that if you're a believer... Now listen to me very carefully. That if you are a believer... You are of the faith of Abraham, which means the same type or brand of faith, which is the God kind of faith that Abraham operated in, is the type we need to emulate. One right, two amens. Can I get a better amen than that? Now, notice this, verse 19. And being not weak in faith, so you can be weak in faith, 
But in being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Now notice. But was strong in faith. Now notice. Giving glory to God. Everybody say giving glory to God. Say it again. Giving glory to God. Now notice this. And being fully persuaded that what he or what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Now, what had God promised? God came to Abram, an heir of the Chaldees, and gave him a promise that he would have a son, an heir, that would not only inherit everything that God had blessed Abram with, but he would also be the start of a lineage that would bring forth the seed of God that would manifest in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. What a promise. He promised him nations. Everybody say nations. He promised him nations. He promised him that every in him, all that blessed him and those that were part of his family would be blessed also with the same type of blessing. Amen? So, this started a process. Everybody say a process. Now, that's many, much of the denominational and Christian world have basically taken all of the processes of God out of what they believe. But let me tell you something, church. You need to live in the processes of God. The processes of God are designed, number one, to mature you. Everybody say mature you. Number two, to bless you. Everybody say bless you. Number three, to bless others. Now think about that. Mature you, to bless you, and so that you will be a blessing to other people. God wants you to live in those processes. Abraham or Abram lived in the process of being what? Fully persuaded of what God had promised. He was also able to what? Perform. God's the God of miracles. God's the God of supernatural. Uh, Isaac was not immaculately conceived. He was not like Jesus. But God did give Abraham and Sarah a miracle. Can I get a better amen? amen? Now, our problem is, is we're miracle-minded. We're like Thomas. We want to see a miracle. Pastor, I'm telling you, if I could see a miracle, I would serve God. I would be... No, you wouldn't. Did you know you wouldn't? Let me just... Let me help you. I've been in ministry 37 years, coming this March. I've seen cripples walk in our meetings. I've seen blind eyes open. And I'm not, not making this up. I've seen eyes open in our meetings. I've seen the demonic delivered. I've seen people in great agony and pain literally delivered. I've seen people twisted by injury, just literally totally healed. It never caused anyone to believe. Seeing a miracle does not impart faith. You say, well, I don't believe that, Pastor. Jesus did signs and wonders and miracles on a level that nobody's ever done on this earth, and they still hung Him on a cross. Think about that. You say, why? There is not built within a miracle the power to convince you of the reality of what you cannot contact with your senses. Let me say that again. There is not built into a miracle the reality to convince you of what you cannot contact with your senses. But it is built into something. So what's it built into? It's built into the promises of God. Amen? A miracle will not get you the promise, but a promise can get you the miracle every day. Amen? And when you begin to realize that, you begin to realize these are three different areas and I've got to figure out where I'm supposed to be living. You can't live in the promise and in the, in the performances of God. You can't live in that because that's God's business. That's not your neighborhood. You can't perform a miracle. I've told people this, especially when we're in a big meeting somewhere and the glory of God's in manifestation and people are getting healed and it's obvious. I tell people, I can't heal a gnat's wing, a fly's eyeball. I could not heal anybody or anything. Jesus is the healer. So that, that performance arena has nothing to do with us. That's God's arena. That's God's neighborhood. That's where He shows up. That's where He performs. You say that, where do we live? We live in... The process of persuasion. And only what? The promises of God have the power to fully persuade you. Now, how many of you here right now, you would say, Pastor, I'm believing God for a performance. 
something supernatural that I cannot do for myself, something that is of God that gives me great benefit and gives Him great glory. How many would say you're doing that? How many believe in Anybody believing for that? Now, how many would say, Pastor, I'm doing it based on the promises of God. I've got scripture. I've got verse. I can show you my prayer log. I can show you where I've marked it in my Bible. How many would say that's me? Now you are living in the persuasion process. Now let me say, I'm not, this is not to make anybody mad. If you're not living in that promise, you have no reason to expect the performance of God. Well, I'm just believing for a miracle. That doesn't amount to a hill of beans. You'll believe till you die. I mean, say you wanted to stand outside the perimeter of what the promises say about salvation. You know what the promises says about salvation? Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that God raised His Son Jesus from the dead and thou shalt be saved. You say, well, I, I, that's all well and good. I know that's in the Bible, but you know I got my own way of doing things. I do things my own way. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be good. I'm not going to be mean to people. You know, I'm going to give people on the street a dollar or two when I pass by them. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to trust that my own righteousness and goodness will get me to heaven. Well, the day you die is going to be performance day. And I've always said this for years. There's no surprise to people in heaven. Well, let that sink in a minute. You say, what do you mean by that? The surprise people end up in hell. Surprise, the devil. I bet, he, I bet he's got like on the wall pictures of people's faces when they're like, hey, now wait a minute, wait a minute. We were in, Dad took me to Israel when we were, we were when I graduated from Bible school in 1985 and uh, we were going from uh, Jerusalem down to Jericho. And way up, I mean, this wilderness is such a wilderness, it's the wilderness of Zen, Z-E-N, where Jesus actually went into the wilderness. And there's a monastery way up there. Now, now guys go up there because it's only for men and they go up there and they take a, a vow of silence Amen. And they're up there to seek the Lord, to find salvation. And it's some bizarro, you know, uh, ancient group of people. They're up there. They're in the, so they're just walking around all day doing this. Not doing anything. Not saying anything. I guess they're into some type of deep meditation. Maybe medication. I don't know. Could you imagine the heart it would take, the desire for God it would take to do that? That you're willing to do that thinking you might, you might, you might find God. I might find God if I give 20 years to the monastery and I, and I go to the monastery and I, and I don't say anything for 20 I might find God. Guess what? If you die during that 20 years. Well, God, doesn't God have mercy on those people? No, he, they, listen, God, just as we are bound by the laws of the Word of God, God is also bound by the laws of His own Word, which He has spoken. I was witnessing to, witnessing to a young man the other day who was considering becoming Jewish. He said, I'm, I'm considering the different religions of the world. He said, I'm looking at the different religions that are available. And he looked me in the vibe, very soberly, knew I was a pastor, knew I was a preacher, and he said this. He said, if I become Jewish, will I go to heaven? I looked him right in the eye, and I said, nope. And it shocked him. I could tell it shocked him. I got his attention. He said, how can you say that? I said, here's how. I said, I believe the Scripture and the Bible to be true. And the Bible says there's not but one way. And it's not the sacrificial uh, it's not sacrificing many lambs that are upon the earth, the animal. It is the Lamb of God that died for us. And the only way to salvation is Jesus Christ. Whether you're Jewish, you better be a Messianic Jew. Whether you're a, you're a Catholic, you better be a born-again Catholic. Whether you're a Methodist, you better be a born-again Methodist or a Baptist or, a, or, a born, or even a Pentecostal. No matter who you are or what you are, the issue is not the label upon your life. The issue is, are you born again? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Amen? You've got to be persuaded. So whether it's health, a miracle in your life, your marriage, finances, you've got to live in the process of persuasion. And what persuades you is the promise. 
the promise, the promise, the promise. All the promises of God are in Him, yea, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God by us. All of the precious promises of God are given unto us so that we might be what? Partakers of the divine nature. You've got to live in the promise. You've got to embrace the promise. You've got to read the promise. You've got to speak the promise. You've got to come and have the promise preached to you over and over and over and over till you're fully persuaded. All of you that raised your hand and said, I'm believing God. I've got the promises of God. That's where you're at right now, being fully persuaded that what God has promised and upon the moment of your full persuasion, God will perform what you're believing Him for. Amen. Amen. One more scripture real quick. Go to Mark chapter 11. Well, let's kind of pull this into our, pull this into our prayer life. We're going to enhance our prayer meetings a little bit. I want to especially invite our young adults, youth, and everybody that wants to step up into prayer. We're going to probably start it one week a month on, on our Sunday night when we have our Sunday night prayer meeting at 7.30. We'll probably bounce that back to 6.30 and take some time and teach on prayer. The Lord said it to me like this. He said, preach on the dialogue. I knew what He meant. Preach on the dialogue. You say, what do you mean? How to speak to God and how to hear His voice. How to speak to God, and how to hear His voice. You say, why is that important? It may save your life in this day and hour. God's ability to speak to you and tell you what to do, where to go, where not to go. Anyway, we'll let you know. Mark chapter 11. Jesus answering said unto them, verse 22, Have faith in God. Better translation, have the faith of God Himself. Operate in faith like God does. Isn't that amazing that God allows us to operate in faith the way He does? We're His children. Shouldn't expect anything less. Amen? Now notice this. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe whatsoever they, those things whatsoever he saith shall come to pass... He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now let me read it again. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever... How many whosoever's? Everybody say whosoever. whosoever. Say whosoever. whosoever. Means me. Means whosoever shall... Now notice this. What? Say. So we have to say something. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He, who is the he there? It's the whosoever's. Everybody say whosoever. Yes. Means me. Amen. Shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now I like this. Now you may say, oh, I don't like that. I like this. Whosoever can have whatsoever. Amen. So you need to define what your whatsoever is. Amen? I mean, people always, they always ask me these questions. They come over to my house and they see things that God has blessed us with. Uh, most, most, they, they come in my office, they see the, I, I like to, so I, so how did I ever get into that? I got into hunting these big trophy white-tailed deer. Well, I'm a Texas boy, don't look at me like that. <laughs> I'd say every boy from Texas needs, you know, uh, at least 150 inches of white-tailed deer, at least 30 inches of speckled trout. I mean, if you live on the coast, come on. Where's my amens? There we go, right there, amen. And so uh, uh, people ask me, you know, well, you must, you must have this. Or, no, I believed by faith for every deer that hangs on the wall, for every duck I shoot, for every hunting trip I get to go on, we, we, we ministered in Hawaii. We were so blessed. We had, a, we had a revival that went on in Hawaii for over 10 years, almost 12 years, and got tremendously blessed in an entire part of Hawaii. And my sister, she used to go with us on the, on the trip. She called them glorified surf trips. People would say, you just want to go to Hawaii to go surfing. I'd say, what do you think I want to go for? The pineapples? I can get them at Kroger. But God put something in our heart. We were a whosoever. We begin to speak whatsoever. 
We begin to speak to the mountain. I remember the first time God told us to go do a crusade there. Our budget, after we did everything, was $30,000. Back then, $30,000 might, might as well have been $30 million. George, I think you went on that first one. Papa was on it. Alan and Pat were there. Maybe some others I might be missing that were there. We went. We had a glorious time. But before we got into faith, it was impossible. We couldn't afford the tickets for two people, much less a crusade team. But we started speaking to the mountain. What did we speak? The promises that persuaded us that God would perform. And we took just a hobby that we enjoyed and turned it into a revival. These ranches that we go to, what do you think we do there? Just hunt? No, we preach the gospel to all these people that think Sundays are for hunting. They're not. They're for church. They're to be fully persuaded of what God had promised. He's also able to perform. So you're a whosoever. You can have whatsoever. God doesn't limit your whatsoever. What do you want? What do you want to experience? What do you, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? It's as vast and as wide as your imagination. And God will give it to you just to bless you and to show you how much he loves you. But now notice, let me shift gears, gears here. This is, in my Bible, red letters. How many like red letters? That's Jesus speaking. Now listen. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt in her heart, but believe those things which they say shall come to pass. They shall have whatsoever they say. Now what's he talking about here? Have the God kind of faith. The God kind of faith speaks to the mountains. The mountains represent the problems of your life. That which stands between you and the dream of God in your life. You're going to have to speak. You're going to have to have the God kind of faith. You're going to have to be fully persuaded. You can't be like Thomas. Amen? But now notice this. The next word is so important. Therefore, I say. Now let me say that again. Jesus is doing this. He said, now listen, I'm going to reveal to you this faith thing is not magic. It's not a hat trick. It's not sleight of hand that only God does. No, it's a principle of the promises. So I'm going to reveal unto you a principle of the promises. Then I'm going to act upon it. Now listen, listen. I'm going to not only reveal the principle, you can walk in that principle, you can speak to the mountain of debt, you can speak to, you can speak to disease, you can speak to whatever it is. You've got to speak to it. You've got to be fully persuaded. Therefore, I say unto you, because of what I just said, therefore, I say, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive, and you shall have it. Now, see, that's a lot of people's problem, is they haven't believed they receive. They're waiting for their flesh to tell them, their bank account to tell them, their experience to tell them. But the Bible says, no, when you pray, believe you receive, and I am Jesus, and I am speaking to the mountains that stand in between you and full persuasion. So what he's saying. I'm going to get rid of the mountains of doubt, unbelief, but you're going to have to do some speaking. I, I was listening uh, to some teaching when I was driving around going from ranch to ranch last week and Testimony that was told by Brother Kenneth E. Hagen of a pastor that was 70 years old. At age 36, he was diagnosed with, with uh, uh, diabetes and, and, had, and had taken insulin for 36 years. Actually, he was up to two shots a day. He had to check his blood every day. and According to what the test told him, then he took the insulin and put it in his arm. And uh, Brother Hagen stayed seven weeks and taught on nothing but faith. Seven weeks. So this pastor got a hold of it, and, and his testimony was this. He said, every day as I took that shot of insulin, and as I checked my blood, I would confess the healing scriptures of God over my, over my body, and then he, would, he said, I would say this, Heavenly Father, I believe I receive healing from sugar diabetes and a pancreas that is active and alive because his doctor told him that his pancreas had died. Now that was at age 70. At age 72, every day he did this for two years. At age 72, this is a church in Fort Worth. 
It had a little mission downtown. This is back in the late 50s. Had a little mission downtown, and he was taking groceries to the mission, and he's driving. You know, back then, that was before air conditioning was in the car. Had his window rolled down, and a bee got behind his glasses. And he drove up over a curve and into a tree. And that shoved him into the steering wheel, and, and, and he thought he'd broken his ribs, but they took him to the hospital, the emergency room, and they checked him out. His ribs were just bruised. And his, and his doctor came and did a complete checkup of him, you know, making sure there wasn't, you know, he's 72 years old, making sure there wasn't any internal damage. He said he was in the hospital for one day, and the doctor came in and said this. You still taking insulin? He said, yeah, every day. He said, why don't we leave it off for just a week, see what happens. He said he left it off for a week, left it off for another week. Amen. Week turned into month. Month turned into years, and at last report, that man went to heaven in his late 80s and never took another shot. But he didn't get it by the laying on of hands of some great minister. He got it because he became fully persuaded that God, what God had promised, he was also able to perform, and every day when he got up, he spoke to the mountain of that disease in his body until that disease was gone. Now we could give you other testimonies of our own lives in which that has happened. But that testimony is so, is so simple to understand that it was that repetitious exposure to the Word of God. That's why in your life there needs to be a repetitious exposure to the Word of God so that you can do just like Abraham did. He gloried in God and was strong in faith even though his body was dead, Sarah's body was dead, but he was living in the promise, giving Glory to God. Amen. Listen, that's your only assignment. Your assignment is not to produce the miracle. That's God. That's what God will do. The, the sickness will go. The money will come. As long as you live in that persuasion process, doing what? Giving glory to God. Now listen, a lot of people, they, they think faith is designed to be a denial tool. You know, I just I deny I'm sick, I deny I'm broke. <laughs> And then they get off into, many times they get enough teaching on faith to get into trouble. You believe you receive. Everybody say, I believe I receive. And I shall have it. Everybody say, I shall have it. Now, from the time you believe you receive till you shall have it is a time factor. I've had it as short as a day in my life. And I have some things that have lingered on for years as I continue to believe I receive. Amen. But now in between that time, you have to be aware of two different forces that try to get in there. One is foolishness. The other is presumption. Because you're called to walk in faith, not in foolishness nor presumption. Now foolishness is just what it is, foolishness. So you, you, you come to Island Church, you get a little teaching on faith. You, believe, you start hearing about seed time and harvest. You start tithing and offering. And you say, well, you know, Pastor, I'm, I'm $10,000 in debt. I'm just going to go home by faith. And I'm going to write out all the checks I need to pay off all my debts. And I'm going to send them in, trusting I believe I receive. When they get there, the money will be in the bank. Well, thank God for good jail ministry. That's just foolishness. Faith has an integrity to it. I told this in the early service. We had accounts over at the, the is it Texas First? Texas First Bank and... This is years ago when we were running Rusty Martin Ministries. We were traveling and, and I'd gotten my paycheck and I was on my way to the bank and I had a, a deposit slip from our deposit and then I'd always get $100 cash. So I'd have some cash in my pocket. And so they had some new way of, of processing your paycheck. And so I filled out my, my deposit slip with my less cash, signed it, turned it in, and they gave me back my less cash and all of my paycheck in cash and a deposit receipt. This is the day. <laughs> Glory to God. No. Now the thought crossed my mind. Amen. So I explained it, pushed the button, talked to the lady, sent it back. She was so thankful, so grateful. The next, the next pay period, I went back and the same thing happened. And I thought to myself, well, once is a character challenge. Twice has got to be a miracle. And thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Here's the deal. Number one, God's not a thief. 
That little lady made a mistake. Would have cost her her job. Amen? And I would have gotten embarrassed as the pastor that tried to steal from the bank. So I pushed the button again. This time they had me come in. The vice president of the bank thanked me and all this kind of stuff. And it, I ended up with a good testimony. Amen. That was not a miracle from God. That was not, well, I needed some extra money. No, no, no. That's foolishness. That's foolishness. God's Word never violates the integrity of your heart. It never steals from someone else to give you something, which means it never puts someone else in pain or duress to bless you. That's not how God operates. Amen. And it always stays within the confines of the integrity of God and His Word. That means it's honest and just and right. Then there's presumption. Now, presumption many times is very... How can I say? It's very... It's very sneaky. Because many times the presumption of faith is based on inspiration or testimony. You know, everybody's got a testimony. You want to hear somebody... Uh, the, the, like, like the guy with the... With the uh, with the insulin, you can think, well, I'm going to go home. I'm going to start doing that. Well, I don't know if it worked for you or not. It worked for him. You could listen to that, and you would be trying to get God to do something based on what happened to a pastor back in the 50s. So you've transferred your faith from what's persuading you from the promises of God to your own actions. Amen? You hear some preachers say, I gave away my car. I got an airplane. So you give away your car, and you end up with a bicycle. You did not act on what God was telling you. You acted on what God told someone else. So your faith is in what God did for them, not what He's saying to you. So we're going to stay in faith. Am I say we're going to stay in faith? We're going to stay in faith. What God has promised, He is also able to perform. When we prayed, we believed we received, and we shall have it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Lift your hands and thank God. Father, thank you for your word. The entrance of your word brings light and life to us forever, O oh Lord. Forever, O oh Lord. Forever, O oh Lord. Forever. Your word is settled in heaven. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Now let me say this and then we'll give an altar call real quick. Just since Christmas, the Lord has dealt with me about this. He's given us a powerful prophecy I know it's the word of the Lord, but remember this about prophecies. They're, the, they're not the promise of God, they're the potential of God. Only the word of God is the promise of God. Amen? But the Lord showed me very plainly that we as a people, that means our families, individuals, and us as a church are entering into a season of harvest. Financially, souls, favor in the community, whatever, whatever God has for us, we're entering into that. The Lord spoke to me and said this, in that season, there's going to be a release of special faith. Everybody say special faith. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it talks of the gifts of the Spirit. There are three power gifts, gifts that do something. There's gifts of healings, both plural, gifts and healings. There's working of miracles, and there is special faith. Now, there was a man that lived, I believe he died in the, in the late 40s. His name was Smith Wigglesworth. They called him the Apostle of Faith had three people documented raised from the dead in his ministry. He said, I operate in the faith that the Word of God affords me, but when I get to the end of that faith, I know there is another faith available that's not of my own origin. It comes from heaven itself. The faith we're talking about is a faith that's developed as you walk in the process of God. But I'm telling you like I know my name, God is fixing to release into this congregation the gift of faith and operation to help remove things that would intimidate you, things that would discourage you, mountains that are in the way, that gift of faith is going to come into you. Instead of believing that you might be able to do something, you're going to know that that's what I'm to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Ever head bowed, ever eye closed for just a moment. Not presupposing that everybody knows they're right with God. If you're here today, you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Now more than ever, it is so important that you become a believer. You say, Pastor, I don't even know what that means to be born again to be saved. Let me explain it very simply. You are born into a family. Sure, it's Smith, it's Jones, it's Rodriguez, it's Martinez, but no more than that, we're all born into one family. That is the human family. The human family sinned. The human family fell and was separated from God. But God sent His only begotten Son 
who died upon the rugged cross and shed His blood so that the human family could be redeemed from original sin and be brought into the new family that exists upon the earth today, the family of God. How do you get it? By faith. You believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth that God raised His Son Jesus from the dead. And through that confession of faith, God releases unto you out of the unseen realm the reality of salvation in your heart. You don't believe that you're saved. You know that you're born again. If you're here today and you're not born again, thank God you've come today. will afford you a great opportunity to respond to God and to get born again. You say, Pastor, I've been born again, but I've not been living right. I've not been doing right. I have broken fellowship with God. I need to be right with God. Please pray with me. Either, either one of those two this morning, you would say, pray with me, Pastor. I need to be right with God or I need to be born again. I would love to pray with you with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you that needs prayer, would you lift your hand right now? Anyone at all? One hand, God bless you. You can put it down once you've raised it. Another hand, God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just a moment as we linger in His presence just for a moment. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let me just say this. The only thing that gets you to heaven is the blood of Jesus. Yes, we live for God, but we also die in faith. And because of that, we know heaven is our home. One more time as I look around, help me ushers. Two have raised their hand. If you've raised your hand, you don't need to raise it a second time. Let me look one more time. Anyone else, if you've not raised your hand, say, that's me, Pastor. I need to be right with God. One more hand. God bless you. Another hand. God bless you. Another hand. God bless you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, everybody look this way. Everybody look this way. Here's how we're going to do it this morning. I want us all to stand, and we're all going to pray a prayer together. And let's every one of us make a profession of faith together. You say, Pastor, I really don't need to. But it's always good to do it, to reaffirm your faith in God. Faith in salvation, faith in heaven being your home, and faith that God's going to get us through these crazy times. Can anybody agree with that? So stand on your feet. Now listen, if you raise your hand, we're all going to do this, but I want you especially put one hand over your heart and lift your other hand to heaven. Everybody do it with these that have raised their hand. Amen? One hand over your heart, other hand raise up to heaven. Say this out loud so your own ears hear what you're saying. Say, Heavenly Father, Right now, openly and publicly, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I believe that you, God, sent your Son, Jesus, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father. I believe it and I receive all of its benefits. Thank you, Father. I'm born again. I'm no longer a member of the human family. I am part of God's cleansed, righteous family. Heavenly Father, where I've broken fellowship, forgive me. I thank you. The blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin and all unrighteousness. As I stand at Island Church, the fourth week of January, 2021, I am right with God. Heaven is my home. Jesus is my Lord. I will never be the same, never be the same, never be the same in Jesus' name. Now rejoice and thank you. Come on, rejoice. Now, let me say this. This, this. this freaked me out. Many years as an evangelist, I would always give an altar call and say, you know, come to the altar, raise your hands, we'll pray for you. And God will write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Anybody ever heard that? Raise your hand if you ever heard that. Did you know that's not true? I heard a guy preach that one time. And just I thought, well, I'm going to go dig this out. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. It does say that your name is written in the book of life. Now let, let me tell you how good God is and how much faith He has. When you are born into the human family, 
God writes your name in the book of life. Then He gives you a lifetime to reaffirm. You say, what do you mean? He writes it in pencil. He does. He writes it in an erasable form. You say, why? Because if you die without ever professing Jesus as Lord, and, as, as Lord and Savior, what does He do? He takes it out. But the moment you make that profession of faith, He takes over that pencil and He writes it in blood. And you're reaffirmed and you're written in the Lamb's book of life. Never to be removed again. Hallelujah. What a good God we serve. What a good God we serve. Praise God. Let's pray and be dismissed. Remember any visitors, please stop out at the visitor center and receive your free gift in Jesus' name. Father, thank you so much for today. As we leave, we leave by faith. We appropriate the power of your word to keep us this week. Standing on Psalms 91, the promise of God that fully persuades us that this week no evil will befall us. No plague will come to our dwelling place. Angels will have charge over us. Lord, in our travels, the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, any other way of travel or transportation, thank you, Father, for your protection and for your safety. The righteous labor of our hands, some work in the ocean, some in the medical, some in the educational, some in the petrochemical, others contractors, others work in sales, all types of resources we handle. Thank you, Father. No trauma, no terror, no evil plans of wicked men. We even stand against these viruses, these diseases, and their effect upon humanity, thanking you, Father, that you are that which we stand under that covers us with protection and safety. Thank you, Father, for the fire of evangelism in our spirits. Let us recognize and realize there are so many hurting people, wounded people, uh, people thinking, what is going on in this world? Thank you that we have the relevant message of peace that can bring peace to any troubled heart. Open the door. Let us be an answer to people's prayer, a problem to the devil, a miracle in someone's life. Father, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you, in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.